All right, so this morning, um, my name is Joshua Daltz. I have the pleasure this morning of getting to teach for us this morning. I also have um, the even bigger pleasure to get to serve as one of the deacons here at Grace. For those of you that have been here over the past month, two months or so, um, you know that Chad has been working through the Sermon on the Mount. And so if, if you don't know where that's at, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. So if you want to go ahead and be turning to Matthew chapter 7, you can. Um, Chad decided that it was a tough little section of scripture, so he was going to make somebody else do it. So this morning, he is not here, as you can tell. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But, but this morning, we're going to be working through Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. And before we go too far, I just want to say, uh, for those of you that have been here for the past couple years, and, and you know the struggle and, and, and kind of the hardship that was this new building. Right? It was a pretty tough time, a long time, where it was this fight back and forth. Is this the, what God would have for us? Is this the place that we need to be? Um, it, it was a lot of work to put in to get this building ready, to do some things with this building. Let me, let me say this weekend, uh, my wife and I and, and a big group of uh, a sea of blue over here, that if they de- did the wave right now, it'd be really ironic. But um, th- they were here all weekend, sleeping on the floor in here. So if there's any like socks on the floor, I wouldn't touch them with your hand. You might drag them under the chair. I, I don't know. But, but this morning, you had, you had a group sleeping in this room. You had uh, some other uh, people sleeping in classrooms back there. And so I got the opportunity to just be here this weekend and see God, God use this building in, in even more ways. And so praise the Lord. Uh, no matter what your, your thoughts were or, or whatever it was, God is using this building uh, for his glory. And so we, we are thankful for that. If you don't know what Faith in Action is, I would encourage you to talk to one of the students or adults that are in the blue shirts afterwards to, uh, to, to see because it's a pretty cool opportunity and has been a blessing to, I know myself and my wife this weekend. So this morning, we're not actually gonna start in Matthew chapter seven. Uh, We're actually gonna start in Psalms chapter 50. So keep your finger right there in Matthew chapter seven, but I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 50 as I just share one quick thing before we actually read. Um, As I began studying for the past two weeks, I wanna be completely honest with you. I, I was nervous. Uh, Matthew chapter seven, verses one through five, in my opinion, is one of the verses or one, one of the sets of verses in the Sermon on the Mount that's taken out of context probably most often. Um, people misuse it all the time. And, and so I was nervous for a couple reasons. Number one, because I know I've misused it before, right? And, and so that scares me. Um, and so just as I prepared, as I come before you today, I wanna be completely transparent with you. I feel completely inadequate to be able to teach this morning. But um, let me be honest, I know that I serve a big God. And so this morning, as, as, as we go through, um, just know I feel inadequate for multiple reasons. Number one, because I know that I don't do a good job of what this calls us to. I know that, that God still has a lot of work to do in my life when it comes to what we're gonna talk about this morning. Um, I feel inadequate because no matter how much time I put in and studied, I, I didn't know that I was gonna be able to communicate clearly and effectively. And so this morning, um, I just wanna stop and I wanna pray and ask God to move. Because here's the deal, it doesn't matter how well I communicate, it doesn't matter how good of a job I do dissecting these different verses. If the Holy Spirit does not move in your heart, it's not gonna matter even a little bit. And so this morning, I just want to stop and I want to prepare us there. And I want us to get our heart right before a holy, righteous God before we do anything else. So, so if you would, just bow your head with me. Lord God, we come to you this morning. And God, I come humbled, um, knowing that, that I'm not good enough, knowing that, that, Lord, my words are not going to be adequate. Lord, knowing that, 
that, Lord, I don't do a great job of this. Lord, knowing that, that I, I fall short in the areas that we're even gonna talk about this morning, but Lord, I trust that you are a good God. I trust that your word will not return void. I trust that your spirit will move in spite of who I am, in spite of my lack of preparation or in spite of my, my misunderstandings or anything like that. Lord, I trust that you are good and that you will move. And so Lord, I pray this morning that you would prepare my heart I pray that you would prepare the hearts of the people that are sitting in, in, in the, the seats this morning. I pray that you would prepare the hearts of people that are going to listen over the next week, two weeks, however long it may be. Lord, I pray that you, would, that you would move in hearts this morning, that you would change hearts, that you would humble people um, to bring them to the right place before a holy God. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, like I said, Psalms chapter 50. I told you to turn and I haven't even turned. Good thing I haven't marked. It doesn't take too long to get there. Psalms chapter 50. I'm just going to read it. Um, read through with me. Uh, listen carefully. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting out of Zion, the perfection of beauty. God shines forth. Our God comes. He does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire. Around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge. Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. you bring, your, your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds for every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the most high and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips for you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. If you see a thief, you are pleased with him and you keep company with adulterers. You give your mouth free reign for evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother, mother's son. These things you have done and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself, but now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Some of you may ask, why in the world did we start there this morning? That's a heavy passage. It's a scary passage, if we're honest. It's not always easy for me to read some of those passages and just feel comforted, right? There were parts of it that, that I felt comfortable and there were parts that, that scared me to death. Well, I wanted us this morning to take a minute and put ourselves in a rightful place before a holy, righteous God. Because as we approach Matthew chapter seven um, this morning, I, I think we're gonna have to be there if we're gonna get it right. We're gonna have to rightly place ourselves below, underneath 
a righteous judge. A judge that when he judge, judges perfectly and has every right to um, condemn us even to the point of hell if necessary. And so this morning, as we read this, um, I just want us to take a couple things before we jump into Matthew. Last week, Chad actually talked about a couple of these verses. He talked about verse 10. It says, um, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. And so last week, Chad talked about uh, a worry a little bit. And he talked to us and he just wanted to bring us to this point of saying, God is sovereign over everything that we know and understand and then some. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. They, they, they report to him. And so he brought us this place for those who are worrying of just comfort and peace, knowing that we serve an almighty, all-powerful God who is capable of handling any situation. This morning, I, I want to expound on that a little bit because I think these verses ought to bring us there. But I think there's another group of people that this is going to, to, to talk to this morning in Psalms 50. And I'm going to argue in a minute that these two groups actually end up overlapping. So in verse 7, I'm, I'm going to read back again. It says, Hear, O my people, I will speak, O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds for every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If you were hungry, I would not tell you. Look, that, that truth ought to bring us comfort in the time where we don't trust God because we know how big he is. But that truth also ought to humble us to a place of understanding that we bring nothing to the table. God doesn't need our sacrifices to eat. The cattle on a thousand hills report to God. So, so, so when it says in verse 12, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. He doesn't come to us to be filled. He doesn't need us this morning. And so th this morning as we, as we move through... I, I want us to just think about the two groups. Uh, we, we both need to understand what we're dealing with here. We need to understand the person of God. This is the God of the universe. We were talking about a holy, righteous God who will judge all of mankind and who has every right to. He is creator God. Some of us this morning need to be reminded of something. As we've been going through life, there's been a lot of things going on, but guess what? We've handled it pretty good. We've got things in control. We've got things where we think we want them. We've got them in a good spot. And we think that things are going in the direction we want. And what we forget is that the God of the universe can change that like that. And so no matter how hard we're working at something, no matter how in control, no matter how good the decisions that we make are. Look, I can make all the right decisions in the next week and, and guess what? The outcome cannot be at all what I wanted or expected. And the opposite can be true. I can make every wrong decision over the next week and God can still put me in a place where I'm blessed beyond belief. And so w when we can place ourselves rightly under that truth that God is sovereign over all, for, for some of us in the room, what does it do? Well, it humbles us to a place of understanding that we are not in control. We have no business acting like we do or that we are. 
For some of us in the room, it ought to bring us peace and comfort because our worry is silly before a righteous, holy God. But to be honest with you, in order to get to that place of worry, it had to be because we were prideful enough to think that we had control in the first place. So, so you see my point of why they overlap, right? Because here's the deal. You didn't get to a point where you worried unless you were depending on yourself in the first place. Because if you were depending on God and his providence in your life in the first place, then you didn't even have a reason to worry. Pride is at the root of both of these responses. And so this morning, I want us to get there. So what we're gonna do is now we're gonna move to Matthew chapter seven. So, so why would I start here this morning? Why would I start with Psalm chapter 50 and, and talk through this idea of us being humbled to the point of understanding that we serve a righteous God who is the ultimate judge? Why would I start there? Well, Matthew chapter seven, verse one says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly take the speck out of your brother's eye. So verse one, judge not lest you be judged. For the, with the judgment you pronounce, it will be, uh, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Some of you this morning may be saying, Josh, you already messed up. You started this morning by telling me that I was prideful, arrogant, sinful, that I, I, I needed, I, I was prideful and that's why I was worrying. Sounds like you're already judging me. You hadn't even talked to me yet this morning. So my question is, did, did I miss the mark this morning? Is it appropriate for me to even have that discussion with you this morning? Is it appropriate for me to bring that up to you? I hope that over the next couple of minutes, you'll, you'll, you'll see why I believe it's okay. Be, be, because this verse um, was, was written to, to a group of, of people that probably had a lot of Pharisees in the group. And Jesus was talking to a group who, who had actually put their place as judge over people who, who would determine right and wrong and make all the calls and actually place themselves above where they could criticize and condemn those below. Let, let me say this right now. That's not what God has called us to as believers. I can promise you that. And so as we, as we see this verse, as we see, it fold, or as we see it unfold, as we see verse one where it says, judge not lest you be judged, this is not something where God is calling us to not use good judgment and not work through sin with one another. That's not what this is a command for. This is something that, that was to hopefully humble some people down to a spot where they understood that they were not righteous judge. They were not the one in position and just authority over all that they could make this judgment. They were not the righteous judge that we just read about in Psalms 50. That place was reserved for God and God alone. Right, because it says, judge not lest you be judged. Let's remember this, we're going to be judged. Does everybody understand that? So as, as, as Jesus works through this, um, he, he, he puts us back in a right perspective with this judge not lest you be judged. John Stott puts it like this. This was, this was something that Chad sent me in my preparation as he was just pouring into me as, we were, as, as I was trying to prepare. 
Jesus does not tell us to cease to be men by suspending our critical powers which help us to distinguish us from animals. So God doesn't ask us not to judge and just ignore all that, that he has given us in our God-given intellect and understanding. God's not asking us to just completely ignore that. Right? So, but to renounce the presumptuous ambition to be God by setting ourselves up as judges. See, we were not set up to be righteous judge over all. That's not our role. That's not our place. That's not what we're called to do. And we're going to work through some other parts of Scripture this morning so that we can understand, I think, a little clearer what this is talking about. But, but I need us to understand, first and foremost, that we are not righteous judge. That's part of the reason I wanted to start with Psalms 50, so that you could understand your rightful place below a holy, righteous God who is sovereign over all and has every right to condemn you. That's his right and his alone. See, because the standard of perfection that we will be judged against is his. It's not what we think it is. It's not what we would like it to be. It's not what we think is comfortable. It's not always even what feels good. It's what God says. It's who God is. That is the standard that we will be judged against. So who is the only one that can judge rightly? It's God and God alone. So as we work through uh, to, the, to, to the next little portion, I want us to just continue to be humble, knowing that God has called us to, to, to more than to just sit back and say, okay, then I'm out. Verse three, why do you see the speck that in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye, you hypocrite? First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly take the speck out of your brother's eye. This morning, so as we think back to where Jesus was at and what he was doing and what he was doing outside of preaching, Jesus was a what by trade? Carpenter, good. Okay, so we've got probably a couple people in the room that can relate in some way or another, right? So this reference to a speck in a log, what is this a reference to? Come on, help me. What do we think? Specking a log in your eye for a carpenter. It's these little wood shavings, right? You start working in the shop. You're out there. I don't know how good of safety glasses they had at the time, right? Sawing away. Probably don't have glasses on. Probably hadn't gotten to that point in, in uh, man's innovation yet, right? What happens? Dust starts flying. You're probably going to get something in your eye. Right, so that's what the reference was here. But, but I just want us to stop. I want us to bring it back. So Chad, uh, one of the other things that he, he mentioned in his notes was he said, illustration right here. He said, you need to have one. So I'm going to work at it. Because I'm not good at illustrations. He gets up here and he gives them and it's great. But I'm not good at it, right? But, but here, here's what he said. He said, my, my illustration will be football. So anybody football fans in the room? Okay, I'm a football fan too, but I, I'm not going there. I can't do it like Chad, so I'm going to do something different, Right? It's, it's wise. You, you don't get yourself looking like a silly man. So here we go. Basketball. Anybody else like to watch basketball in the room? Okay, good, good. So I like to watch basically any kind of basketball. My wife will attest, uh, maybe to my fault, but she will attest that I enjoy watching basketball. In fact, over the last month and a half, two months, it's kind of my favorite time of year because you've got March Madness going on, right? You get to watch college basketball like 24 hours a day for like three weeks. It's absolutely unbelievable how that works, 
right? So I enjoy doing that. But I also really love pro basketball. So right now, like this evening, I'm hoping to get to watch a basketball game, right? But here, here, here's where I want us to go. I want us to just think for a minute. My routine, I get off work, I go home. My wife is super gracious and super loving. She's probably already got a plan for dinner or got dinner cooked, or even if she doesn't have a plan, she's gonna work something together because I'm too lazy to do it. And so we're gonna get home. I'm gonna act like I'm working on something in the house and probably make it worse than it was before. And then it's gonna cause more work later while she's working and actually feeding us because I probably wouldn't make it without it, right? And then as soon as we get done with dinner and we talk for a little while because you can't do dinner without face-to-face conversation, husbands in the room, you should amen because you understand what I'm talking about right now, right? That's got to happen. And then it's time to sit on the couch and I'm gonna turn basketball, it's time, right? So right now we've got the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors playing. And I sit down to watch and Leslie sits down next to me and she brings a book because she's just out, but she's gonna sit with me because she's sweet. Right, so we, we work through, we we're watching this game and I'm watching and I watch Steph Curry come down the court and he just stands there and waits and he does this little watching to see if it'll go in. He misses, the rebound goes, the Cavaliers are a great fast break team so they take off down the court with the ball and Steph's still standing here doing this. And my response is, come on Steph, what are you doing? Get back down the court, play defense. Why are you still standing there? I'd immediately criticize him, get him out of the game. What is this? Let, let's now step back and put ourselves in the right perspective. What in the world do I think I'm doing criticizing Steph Curry? He's possibly the best shooter to have ever played the game of basketball. And I'm sitting on the couch throwing Cheez-Its in my mouth, watching the NBA Finals, and I'm criticizing him when they're probably up 20. Who am I? Like, if, if I actually want to work through and, and give Steph Curry some pointers, I'm going to go need to work at the game of basketball. I'm going to need to get in shape so that I can actually make it up and down the court four or five times before I'd pass out. Like, I wouldn't make it better down the court, not because I'm doing this, but because I'm on the ground. Like, what place do I have to condemn and criticize this guy because of the way he's playing basketball? I have none. It's a silly thing for me to do. So, so I just want us to understand for a minute as we approach this log and this speck, I want us to understand before we go in and, and we work through uh, what I believe is restoring our brothers and sisters in Christ, as we work through that with one another, we have to get our heart right. And we have to understand our rightful place before a holy God. And so as we talk about this speck in this log, we need to understand, number one, there probably is a speck in your brother's eye. There's a reason that Jesus wrote this. There's a reason that it's referenced many, many times in the New Testament for us to help call our brothers out when they are in sin. This is not something that, that, that Jesus was preaching against. He was not saying, don't judge, don't use your good judgment, don't work through sin with fellow believers. No, actually, when we read the last part of this, uh, the last part of this, verse five, it says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brothers. I want us to understand, we are called to, as believers in Jesus, work through, work out, restore our fellow believers back to a right relationship with God when they are in sin. 
And, and so this morning, if your response to judge not lest you be judged is to say, okay, I'm out. I don't want to deal with the mess that is your sin and I don't have to. It says judge not. You've missed the point. The point was put to put us back in a rightful place, a humble place but below a holy, righteous God. And then to ensure that we've gotten our heart right when we go and we're going to approach a brother because it says, first take the log out so that you may. This was not like, if you ever get your log out of your eye, then go. No, it says, first do it. You need to get your heart right. Brother, sister, I beg you, get it right so that you can, you, you can restore me to a right relationship. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, says it this way. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual so restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourselves, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I don't want us to get confused this morning. Number one, we are not a righteous judge. Put as just ruler over all, that it's our standard and we get to determine whether you are abiding by it or not. That's not the place that we are. But we do have a responsibility as believers in Jesus to the other people in our community to call them out when they are in sin. To restore a brother to right relationship with one another and to right relationship with the Lord. Three things I want us to go home with. Three key things I want us to remember. The first thing that we, we, we have to get. The first thing, we must deal with the sin in our own lives. You, you see, what we want to do innately in us is we want to say, I got a log in my own eye, so I'm out. That's not an acceptable response. That's not the response that this scripture calls for. It's not the response that we see in other parts of scripture. We're not going to go through all of them that, that, that talk about this relationship with one another. But let me tell you, first and foremost, we have to get our heart right. We have to repent from sin in our lives. We must deal with the sin that is in our lives. Because here's the deal. If you don't, then when the opportunity arises for you to see a speck in your brother's eye and restore him back to right relationship, guess what? You're not ready. And, and so not only are you in a bad spot in general, in your relationship, you're letting your brother in Christ down because you have let sin persist. You have not worked out your salvation. You have ignored sin that's in your life and not taken care of it as God calls us to countless, countless, countless times in Scripture. So number one, we must deal with the sin in our lives. Number two, we have a responsibility to restore our brothers and sisters in Christ to right relationship. Again, Galatians chapter six, did you hear what it said? Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is not a nice to do if you ever get the log out of your eye. This is something God calls us to as believers. We have a responsibility to do this. For those of you that are already in a life group, let, let's, let's just step back. Let's be honest about what life group is about. Because I have been just as guilty as anybody else in the room of saying, hey, I'm headed to life group tonight. It's gonna be a nice dinner. I'm gonna get to enjoy some time with some people that I really like. 
and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna sit and maybe listen to somebody teach something that makes me feel good and then I'm gonna go home. Let me just say, if that's where we're at in our life groups, and there's no times where we're calling one another out in sin and we're not working through the, the mess of sin that is in our life, then we missed an opportunity to do this well. Be because here's the deal. If all I'm doing is getting together to have a nice dinner and just enjoy a night, I'm not doing anything different than what the world does. They love to have nice dinners with friends that's comfortable and easy. God's called us to more than that. So, so number one, if you're not in a life group, I would encourage you to get in one. If you're in one right now and you're not confessing sin to brothers and sisters in Christ to allow them to help you be restored to right relationship, stop being shallow. You, you need to let somebody in. Allow them the joy of getting to help restore you back to right relationship. Allow them to help carry that burden, bearing that burden in love. If we're not doing that, we're not doing what God's called us to do. Now, now please don't hear me. That life group is not the only place that that can happen. But, but I just want us to understand that, that that is required of believers. And so for believers in the room, members of this church, if we're not seeing that happen in our everyday lives, then we're, we're not gonna point the finger at everybody else. We need to stop and say, hey, whoa, is this because of the log that's in my eye that I'm blinded and I can't see my responsibility? And I can't see the speck in my brother's eye well enough to help take it out. Right, because I've, if I've got a log in my eye, if I have sin that, 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 is, that, is, that is distorting what I see, and I try to help a brother out, by taking the speck out of his, what am I gonna do? Right, I want you to imagine, log in my eye. What's my eye look like? It's getting swelled up. Eyes are watering. What am I doing, right? Danny comes up here and I say, hey, let me take that little speck that's in your eye out. I might make him go blind. You see, you see the issue here? So, so here's the deal. If I'm not actively working for point number one, dealing with the sin in my own life, then when it comes time for me to truly restore a brother, as I'm called to do per scripture, I'm not gonna be able to do it effectively. In fact, I might cause more harm than good. So number one, deal with the sin in our lives. Number two, we have a responsibility to restore our brothers and sisters in Christ back to right relationship. Number three, we must humble ourselves. In order for number one or number two to happen um, co correctly, in order really for it to happen at all, we must humble ourselves. The reason I started with Psalms 50 was so that we could get there. Because if we do not humble ourselves before a holy, righteous God, we will never understand what it looks like to judge appropriately. Right, because the, the, the Pharisees, uh, another great example that as I was reading this week, <laughs> an article was posted by a pastor from when I was in college and he posted this, um, this, this, this article, if you will, that said, judgment is a lazy excuse for intimacy. So it, it referenced the story of Zacchaeus. So we see a man in Zacchaeus who was no doubt in sin. No doubt working through things that were not what God had called him to. But we see him so desperate that he would climb up in a tree just to catch a glimpse of the Savior of the world. And the Pharisees, when Jesus reached out to him and said, hey, I'm going to your house tonight, 
condemned, criticized, judged wrongly. See, they didn't want to have to deal with the mess that was going to be Zacchaeus and his sin. Listen, we're going to have to humble ourselves and understand that when we deal with the sin in other people's lives and when we deal with the sin in our own, it is going to be messy. Nowhere does it, do, do, do we see in scripture where it won't be. So this morning, as I kind of wrap up, the band's probably going to start heading up in just a second. There's a, there's a couple different responses that, that people can have this morning. Um, and these are what I believe are right responses. The first group of people is going to be those in the first category of my three points, right? They need to deal with the sin in their life. So th this morning, if you are in that category, I call you to repent. Like you know that there's sin in your life. You know that you're, you're dealing with sin and you're choosing to ignore it, avoid it, not take care of it as God has called you to. So deal with your sin. Fall on your knees. Psalms chapter 50, right? We just read. Let me read Psalms chapter 51 for us. Because to the, to the choir master, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba, think about the situation right here. Nathan had went to David and called him out in his sin. And I want us to see the response. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to the abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. You only have a sin and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgments. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from God guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness, O Lord. Open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good design and your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Get your heart right. We, we, we have to repent. That's what God's called us to. And what I love here is the second response. There are some of you that maybe you have been repenting for sin in your life. And now it's time for you to go work through sin with a fellow believer, to work through a mess. And you know it's gonna be a mess and so you've avoided it. So number one, repent for that and now it's time to go. God has called us to that. And look at the beautiful picture that we see. David had to be called out in his sin. And do you see his response? What joy it would be to be able to celebrate with somebody the same way David got to celebrate this. 
And the last, but, but not the least, there are some people in the room this morning who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so a lot of this has been a little bit distant to you and you're going, man, I don't wanna deal with somebody in my business and look, I, I know what you're saying, but I, I don't know if I believe the Bible. Well, here's the deal. There is a righteous, holy God who, who, who is the standard for goodness. And here's the deal. If you've messed up one time, you, you've already fallen short of the standard, okay? So, so let me just tell you, he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be saved. But we must repent and believe. And so this morning, if you're at that point and you say, look, I've never done that. Um, this is all kind of new. Listen, there are um, deacons and elders in the room that would love to have a discussion with you. Um, if you're unsure, I've got deacons and elders. If y'all would, just raise your hand. Please. Go talk to one of these guys, please. If you're in sin and you're needing to repent right now, you, you say, I'm a believer, but I need somebody to talk to. I need to work through this. You need somebody to come alongside you to help restore you. Those guys are also there. Number one, we must deal with the sin in our life. Number two, we have a responsibility to restore our brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe it's time for you to go do that this morning. Number three, we must humble ourselves before a holy, righteous God. Lord God, we come to you. Lord, I'm thankful that you are a God who, who is all-powerful, who is capable of, of, Lord, all things. But Lord, I'm thankful that you show grace, that you show mercy, that Lord, when, when, when you came, you, you chose to come with gentleness. Lord, you chose to love us. Lord, I pray that that would be an example for us. You went to Zacchaeus with all gentleness, with grace and mercy, with love. Lord, make that an example for us. Lord, I pray that people would repent this morning of their sin. Lord, I pray that others would go and call others to repentance. That they would bear one another's burdens as called for in Galatians chapter 6. God, I pray that you would save souls this morning for those that don't know you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name.